0: Welcome to NALC's You Are the Current Resident podcast. I'm Brian Renfro, Executive Vice President of NALC. This is your podcast for Friday, March 27th. We begin today, unfortunately, with some very sad news. On Wednesday, March 25th, we learned that a member of NALC Branch 36 in New York City, Brother Raccoon Kim, tragically passed away from complications related to the COVID-19 virus. Brother Kim was close to celebrating his 23rd anniversary as a letter carrier, and he worked at the West Farm Station in Bronx, New York. On behalf of all of NALC, I want to express our deep sympathies and condolences to his family, his co-workers, and everyone in Branch 36. This is a loss that affects us all, but none more than those that were close to him. In speaking with Branch 36 President Charlie Hage recently about Brother Kim's passing, uh, he remarked on the resilience of the carriers there in West Farm Station. And as we talked about just last week on this podcast, as we celebrated the 50th anniversary of the Wildcat Strike in 1970, that the brave letter carriers in Branch 36 began and rapidly spread around the country, We've seen time and time again how letter carriers everywhere, but in particular the letter carriers in New York City and a Branch 36 have shown. And it's no different this time. So to those of you that that knew Brother Kim well, that worked with him, to all those in the branch, uh, please again accept our deepest sympathies and condolences. And we are very sad today because we've lost one of our own. We have several other topics to discuss uh, on on today's podcast. One is um, a new resource for you on the website where we've taken a lot of uh, information that's there and we have consolidated it into to one location. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the food drive. We've got some some news and an update there. I know that's been a pretty frequent question uh, from a lot of members and particularly those that are food drive coordinators and and have uh, some level of involvement in the planning and, and that part of the process. I will give you a update on where we are legislatively as it relates to the Postal Service with the so-called stimulus package that uh, has been uh, agreed upon but still has a, a couple of hurdles apparently as of this recording to, to jump through. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then finally we have two new stand-up talks that should be of interest and in, and. In Uh, importance to you and we'll discuss those quite a bit. So the website and again our website is at NALC.org. We have taken a lot of the information there that that relates to the COVID-19 pandemic and letter carriers and consolidated that information into a single page. So if you go to the website, the home page, up at the top there's some scrolling headlines uh, where three or four items rotate through which we change from time to time. You will see one of those headlines Uh, is a link it'll be easy to see once you go to the home page that will take you to this landing page where you can find uh, all sorts of information the recent statements from president rolando you will be able to find um, the stand-up talks that that have been given or should have been given in your delivery unit you can find uh, links to these podcasts uh, that we've done a number of times over the last couple of weeks uh, and you'll also find a lot of information there from the CDC and other uh, agencies that provide official um, advice and guidance and information to you. So I encourage you to take, take advantage of that and, and see uh, if there's anything there that uh, would interest you. Now, we also in the last podcast announced, and we did this on the website on Wednesday night, that we've created an additional way for you, our members, to communicate and ask questions of us. Uh, so traditionally the the form of getting your questions answered is is asking someone, be that your shop steward or branch officer, maybe someone in your national business agent's office, of course using the website and you know, you have access to more information than ever to get your own questions answered. We thought it was important during the this particular time where things are changing so rapidly to, to give you every avenue we could possibly think of. Uh, and one of those is we've created an email address that any member can email. Uh, that email address is covid19 at NALC.org. That is C-O-V-I-D-1-9 at NALC.org. Um, We've gotten quite a good response, lots of really good questions in the last, oh, I guess, day and a half or so. Um, But that's out there. I encourage you to use it. We've got uh, a number of, of our letter care staff here at headquarters that monitor it. We will get you a response and answer pretty quickly, and we try to respond. Um, as quickly as we can. Uh, sometimes that can be a straightforward reply email to you. Sometimes, depending on uh, the nature of the question, the, the circumstances, how individualized it is, someone may give you a call to discuss it. We may have someone from your national business agents office or your branch address it. Just depends on the the nature of the question. So, I encourage you to continue to use that. Let your you know. Let your fellow members that you work with every day. Let them know it's there, and and we'll be happy to get not just questions but any information feedback ideas you have you know please send those so the one thing we do ask is and this is just to expedite things if you email it please tell us um, your your name and your branch number or at least we know kind of where you're from and that just assists us in the event we have to um, get someone that may have more local knowledge involved than us here at nalc headquarters it, that takes out a step of us having to ask you that. You email us back or, or a phone call. That just expedites things quite a bit. So do do that, please. Just send uh, if you would, you know, your name and and branch number. Okay. Um, next, we have some uh, information and uh, an announcement. Some news about the Letter LetterCare Stamp Out Hunger food drive that we're also accustomed to uh, participating in on the second Saturday in May every year. This year, the food drive was scheduled for May the 9th. We at NELC have made the decision that it would be in the best interest of, of everyone involved if the food drive this year was postponed until a later date. Uh, unfortunately, this is not a decision that we take lightly, but unfortunately, Uh, it's one where we have to consider the safety of all those involved uh, over anything else and we completely understand that there is you know a a food assistance is a very critical need for many people uh, more so during this difficult time with the pandemic than than usual and of course we are we are committed to rescheduling the food drive we are committed to helping those in our community you know just as the communities we serve just as we've always been but when you think about a food drive uh, locally of course letter carriers are involved other postal employees postal customers who, who donate the vast vast majority of the food many many places have lots of community volunteers be it individuals or groups and just many more people that that are involved on any one day food drive and With the things that have been put in place, recommendations by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, their guidelines, orders from various states and cities and and local government, we just believe six weeks from right now, while we don't know exactly what will be taking place at that time, it's it's highly unlikely that we would be able to have our food drive as normal um, without sacrificing the safety Of of those people that are involved so uh, we have chosen to postpone it our intention is to reschedule the food drive sometime in 2020 when it is safe to do so where where those safety concerns will no longer exist Uh, we have not set a date as of yet that date uh, if we had to guess we're probably looking at sometime in the fall Uh, but just not knowing the future we we just don't believe it's, it would be wise for us to set a firm date right now. Of course, as soon as we have a, a more information and, and it becomes clearer uh, when it may be safe to uh, to have the food drive, we will indeed set a date and we will ensure that whatever date we set, that will give uh, those of you locally that, that are food drive coordinators or, or you work in some capacity in preparation for it to make those necessary preparations and with the community uh, partners and the local support that you have for the food drive. Um, so again, we we uh, regret not being able to have this in May, but we believe this is the best decision uh, for the safety of all those that are involved. And we, along with our national partners who we, we will speak to today, um, we are all still committed uh, to do everything we can do when we have a food drive in 2020 to continue our work to uh, stamp out hunger. We just have to do it when it's safe to do so. Okay, we also have, I have an update for you uh, on what's going on legislatively. Um, the House uh, introduced, as you we talked a little bit about on a previous podcast and you probably read, the, the House of Representatives introduced a stimulus bill and the Senate introduced a stimulus bill. Now, Each The House is is a majority Democrat, so led by the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. The uh, Senate is a majority Republican, so led by um, the uh, Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell. So those were the two driving forces behind the two bills that were introduced, and there was a stark contrast between those two bills. And if you'd like to read details about those bills, you can go to our website, NALC.org, go... Um, you'll see a statement from President Rolando there on the the front page under News, Latest News. But you can also go to the Government Affairs section. And we have a pretty detailed analysis of what was in those two bills. But what I want to focus on is uh, what the from a I guess a high level what the negotiations on the Senate side were like and what the ultimate result was, or at least what we expect it to be. And then just tell you what, from our perspective, um, NELC, the Postal Service needs in any future stimulus legislation, which it appears there's a pretty good chance that there could be some additional legislation coming in the next few weeks. So the bill that was introduced in the House um, did not gain uh, the support of the other party, and the same is true of the bill that was introduced in the Senate. So, in the Senate, the, the, the crux of the negotiations involved negotiations between minority leader Senator Chuck Schumer from New York and the administration from the White House, and which was led by the Treasury Secretary, Steve Mnuchin. Um, those negotiations took the Senate bill and they negotiated additional provisions into the into the bill until they got to a point where uh, they could agree on its passage. It passed the Senate by unanimous consent. This bill um, it did include a a and some extra borrowing authority for the Postal Service. The Post Service has a line of credit with the Treasury Department of $15 billion currently that they have borrowed $11 billion. Um, And what this legislation did or what was included in the legislation and will do ultimately if it's passed and signed into law is create a separate borrowing account of $10 billion uh, just for use for the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, which we'll talk about that impact in just a minute. Um, it does include provisions that it's it's this new borrowing authority is controlled by the Treasury Department's Federal Finance Bank, which is, of course, overseen by the um, Treasury Secretary. Uh, we feel very confident, and we know for a fact, that Senator Schumer, who's a friend to letter carriers, um took into this negotiation exactly what we we told him that we needed. We were in constant contact with Senator Schumer and his staff throughout the negotiations, as well as some on the Republican side, um, some of our Republican friends that are senators, you know, in an effort to uh, be sure that our, our needs were heard and by our needs, we mean the Postal Service needs, and those are our needs because that's our employer. Um, but ultimately, that result was just that $10 billion in new borrowing authority. Now, The process, process process-wise, the Senate has passed this bill by something called unanimous consent, which is a voice vote where no one objects in the Senate. Uh, It did go over to the House this morning. Um, Our understanding is that there was an objection. We are not sure why that was. Um, It's not really relevant to us who that was, but it It remains to be seen exactly when this will take place, but our understanding is that the House of Representatives will now have to call members of Congress back to D.C. and have an actual vote on the bill, um, if absent some agreement or or new legislation to allow them to remotely vote, which is a whole other issue. But uh, we still, ultimately, it's just a matter of how the the how they decide to to work things out and win i mean we fully anticipate um this this legislation passing as it was negotiated by both parties um so on one hand it's very disappointing um because we we feel as as you look at the legislation and you see lots of the the things that were done for for large corporations because of the revenue loss and impact on those corporations due to the covid-19 pandemic and then when we look at the Postal Service compared to those, you see a a company that is completely self-sufficient. We see a company that does not rely on taxpayer dollars. We see one of the largest companies in the United States, and we see a company that by all projections has started to to feel and will be hit very, very hard from a revenue perspective by the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, We've already seen a Pretty drastic reduction in mail volume overall. we anticipate that reduction in mail volume is going to continue, and the when mail volume goes down, revenue goes down so that means the postal service is bringing in less money um, while maintaining operations and and it almost certainly is going to result in losses uh, into the future and as you're probably aware um you know a big part of the the postal service's losses in fact. Somewhere around ninety percent of them over the last several years are due to a congressional mandate that was in a law passed in two thousand six in a lame duck Congress that required the Postal Service to prefund health benefits for future retirees, um, and that it required an annual payment of between five and six billion dollars. Uh, it's worth noting no other company or government agency in this country has that obligation. So um, we. Uh, have put forward several ways over the years to address it. It still needs to be addressed. Um, so it is when you hear terms like bailout, uh, those things. That simply is not true. It's, there's no bailout. Congress created this problem. Congress needs to solve this problem. But I want to go through the just the the highlights of what uh, we have we we have decided based on our research and communication with the Postal Service and other stakeholders and what we anticipate from a financial perspective for the Postal Service, just we, the highlights of what we, need, we believe needs to be in any package, and, and hopefully there will be a, another stimulus package coming in the next several weeks. The first of which is a direct appropriation of $25 billion to the Postal Service. The intent of that is over the next couple of years to account for the loss in revenue that we anticipate. Mail volume is going to go down, therefore the, the revenue of the Postal Service will go down. Um, so that $25 billion would be just as many, many other companies in the, the soon-to-be-passed stimulus package, the so-called third stimulus, have received money. Um, those companies, are they important to America? Sure. But the delivery network that we have are particularly important to America uh, during a time like this. The second is a repeal of the mandate to prefund future retiree health benefits, um, and this is something I discussed just a moment ago. That that uh, it, it there was a ten-year schedule laid out by that law in 2006, but there are continuing payments forever, and it just simply doesn't make sense for any agency that's that's been hit hard by any sort of loss of revenue, which we have for a number of reasons over the last several years, and of course now due to the the coronavirus, um, to continue to, to be forced to prefund uh, health benefits, especially when the Postal Service has funded health benefits and uh, and retirement at a significantly higher percentage than any other agency in the federal government. Uh, the next is a forgiveness of the $11 billion in outstanding debt to the, the Treasury Department. Um, most of this debt, the reason they borrowed this money was to pay the pre-funding obligation that was passed in Congress. So think of that. Congress creates an obligation to pay that no one else has, and then the government loans you money to pay for it, goes back to the government, and then the Post Service is expected to pay that back to the Treasury. It just doesn't make sense. And lastly, a repeal on the $3 billion annual limit on the use of USPS's existing $15 billion in borrowing authority. So the new legislation creates a, a $10 billion line of credit subject to, to a lot of terms and conditions, but there is an existing $15 billion line of credit, and that's where the $11 billion that is currently owed that we would ask it to be forgiven for the reasons I just mentioned. It also has a $3 billion annual limit on the postal service's ability to use that line of credit because of the unpredictable nature of what is going to take place in the future whether it's um, as a result a direct result of this pandemic it's just there's some things that are very difficult to see down the line and project um, that we do not need to have an arbitrary limit if indeed there is something that happens whether this year or in 2021 that would require them or necessitate um, borrowing uh, over three billion dollars. So those, that's where we are. Those are the things that, in any future um, stimulus, we, we will, which we again we expect to happen soon, we will continue to pursue, um, and we will continue to educate members of Congress of both parties, those in leadership positions, um, between now and and whenever a piece of legislation like that may may be crafted. Uh, which we hope will happen in the next few weeks. The last thing I have today is two new stand-up talks, um, one that was distributed with March 26th as a date yesterday, one that was distributed um, today, March 27th, and we'll start with the one from yesterday. We have You've heard us talk on this podcast, and I'm sure you've had this discussion in your office, maybe with other members of your branch or those from your NBA office, about the difficulty the Postal Service had in a lot of places of getting supplies that you need, hand sanitizer, uh, wipes or other cleaning supplies, gloves, those type things. Um, Fortunately, there has been quite a bit of progress made. The Postal Service has, starting earlier this week, they began to get in large shipments of supplies. They they had actually ordered them previously, but our understanding was quite a few of them were diverted to go to the healthcare industry, which is, is understandable, I suppose. Um, but we have started to see places where we don't have supplies uh, then be delivered and, and they're being distributed. And they, they expect to continue to come in for the next few weeks. So um, I want to tell those of you that have communicated with your branch officers or your national business agent on the status of those supplies in each office. They've reached out to every branch. Uh, that's been very useful to us to, to get that information on a daily basis and we provide that to the post service here at headquarters and you know, look at those offices uh, and, and they take that into account when they prioritize and set up their distribution of, of these supplies. But they have created an additional avenue for you as an individual letter carrier um, to purchase items that, that could be used for supplies, in particular hand sanitizer. So I'm just gonna go through the stand up talk and, and then maybe explain a couple things at the end. But this is about the temporary expanded use of the Voyager card. That is the card that a lot of people use to purchase fuel, um, our your gas card as is, is it was known where I carried mail. Uh, in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, we have modified operating procedures to increase your safety as you continue to deliver the mail and service our customers. Currently, the Voyager card procedures are used only for fuel repairs and towing. On a temporary basis, uh, the Postal Service has had U.S. Bank, the the banker that um, manages in the card, modify the the restrictions they have on purchasing. Hand sanitizer is now an approved purchased item. The CDC recommends alcohol-based sanitizers that contains at least sixty percent alcohol. Uh, the purchase locations are gas stations and auto parts stores. So. Your card is set up to use at gas stations or parts stores because there are some typically in other crafts that that use the card for repairs and and towing. Um, If you find hand sanitizer in a gas station, you can now use your gas card to purchase that hand sanitizer for your use. Uh, Please note, major retailers like Walmart, Target, will not accept Voyager as this is considered a fuel purchase card. Uh, The only exceptions to this rule is if you were in Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands where the card can be used at retail locations. So if you're not in Puerto Rico or the Virgin Islands, you can only use it at gas stations or auto parts stores. And if you are in Puerto Rico or the Virgin Islands, you could use it at any retail location to purchase hand sanitizer. Um, So this is a a good step for those of you that, that may uh, find availability of hand sanitizer in a in a gas station or an auto parts store if you have one on your route, and um, you now have the ability to use that car to buy them. So that's not coming out of your own pocket. The second uh, talk that's dated today, March 27th, is a um, talk that's centered on places where we have government-imposed travel restrictions, and they vary in the degrees of, of severity as far as restrictions. Some are merely a suggestion and some at this point in, in some places have gotten pretty restrictive of of people even leaving their homes. So this provides three um, steps that you can use if you are in a location where uh, this is being very strictly enforced and you're questioned about things um, by a, you know a law enforcement officer or someone else that may be monitoring uh, people that are on the street and traveling. So I'm not gonna read this one in full, but I am going to cover the three the the three steps. Um so if you're traveling for work in areas with local travel restrictions, that could be two from work, while you're out working, please always carry your postal issued ID badge and the and the essential service provider letter, which I'll talk about in just a minute. Um, these are, will be your justification if you are stopped by a local or state law enforcement official. Uh, number two, if you encountered or stopped by state or local law enforcement and there these people that are enforcing travel restrictions, just show them your ID and show them the letter to identify yourself as a postal employee. And third, you should explain the nature of your work, that you work for the postal service, why you're traveling, I'm going home from work, I'm going to work. Um, I'm actually working right now, which uh, hopefully for us as city cares that would be pretty inherent when they see us. But um, just follow those steps. Again, I'll review them very quickly. These are very simple, very straightforward. Keep your ID badge with you. Have the letter, which we'll talk about it in just a minute. Um, if you're stopped or, or questioned, show your ID in the letter and then just tell them you're working for the Postal Service, and you know you're either on the way to work, you're on the way home from work, or you're actually you're actually working. So the Postal Service is um, uh, communicating with uh, local, state health authorities, you know, just to make them aware that that we are we're out there and why we're out there, uh, and and we're you know essential we're essential employees, and our, our mission is is critical. Um, and what we do for our communities. So I mentioned one of the steps that referenced something called an essential service provider letter. Um, this is a, a letter that's written to a law enforcement official. It's it's from and signed by Dave Williams, who's the Postal Service Chief Operating Officer um, and Executive Vice President, and uh, he has put this letter out uh, as a way for you to, to have A method for you to show that that you are a postal employee. I will note that in the in the last sentence of the letter it's got a place to put the phone number of your supervisor so uh, if I were you I would uh, if you carry this letter around with you just write the phone number of the post office in there so if if someone wishes to verify that then they could make that call. All three of these, the two stand-up talks, as well as this letter, are posted on our website. You can find them on the page I talked about in the early part of the podcast, uh, the the landing page, so to speak, where we put together the collection of all the information we have related to the COVID-19 pandemic. So we have a few questions that have come in today on Twitter using that hashtag Y-A-T-C-R-P-O-D that I'd like to answer. Um, the first is from Bill Lynch. Uh, Bill is at dad, the number two, Noah. And Bill's question is, will there be a memo soon disregarding the route times during this period for future route inspections? Many routes have businesses closed and is drastically reducing time. Uh, he says, great podcast. So Bill first, thank you very much for that. Uh, we're, we're doing our best. Um, will there be a memo? I'm not sure there'll be a memo. I will tell you that, that your point is, is very well taken. Uh, we, prior to the uh, pandemic, we were in the process of having some, some ongoing discussions as we have for, for on and off for quite a while about developing a joint route adjustment process that many of our members are familiar with and which by the way, we still believe is the best way to adjust routes. Um, and I can tell you that once we get through this, if we enter into a joint route adjustment process, that there is absolutely no way that the, the time, uh, the, the period of time while letter carriers are dealing with this pandemic, um, we would have zero interest whatsoever in including that as an evaluation period for the purposes of evaluating uh, a street office or street time on a route. Um, as far as chapter two inspections, I guess the only place that would come into play would be as part of um, an 1840B, the eight week analysis. And we have not discussed that with the postal service because as most of you are aware, route inspections are on hold, um, at least through the end of April. And we anticipate that chances are they will be on hold even longer than that. Uh, we will have that conversation at some point, uh, when, when more pressing matters are, uh, not as, uh, on a daily basis, are not there for us to deal with. Um, and uh, certainly we would share the opinion that I assume that you have, that that data is not going to be any good because there's just so many variables from from the change in volume. And you mentioned in your tweet businesses being closed that there's just no way that could be representative um, of a route. So we uh, will there be a memo? Um, I'm not probably not. I'm not sure we'll have a, an actual agreement that says that. I'm not saying that's impossible, but it's probably not likely, but your point's well taken, and uh, I can tell you it will not be there in a joint route adjustment process, and we'll do everything we can to keep it out of any any other type of route adjustment process. Uh, the next question is from Jay uh, Blass, I assume. That's B-L-A-S. He is at gtwitt T T eleven thirty eight. And the question is, with all the pandemic issues on distancing, would it be possible to do an ad for the customers so they can understand that they need to keep their distance? Because a lot of customers don't understand this. Now, there's a second part to the question, but let me address that and we'll go back to the second part of the question. The answer is yes. We've had discussions with the Postal Service about doing some sort of a joint press release and getting the word out. Um, the Postal Service is running, uh, they're uh, internally discussing that, and uh, the answer to your question is yes. We, we fully intend on getting some information out to the public. Uh, that's something that we've had some questions on from members of Congress and others um, that, that we've done some messaging on a limited basis, but not on, on a wide scale yet, but we fully intend on doing that in the future. And the second part of the question is, can we just stop taking signatures? The answer to that is yes, you absolutely can. There was a stand-up talk. I believe it was dated March the 19th. I could be wrong on that. I'll try to look that up as I'm talking. Uh, that that said um, that there's a new process in place that eliminates the need for the customer or the carrier to hand the customer the scanner, the device itself, for them to sign. It's an alternate process um, where we are now um the carrier will actually sign for it so if you do not have that i encourage you to um go it is indeed march 19th i encourage you to check out the nlc website you'll see a, a one of the scrolling banners at the top with a link to the page where a lot of the information on the COVID-19 pandemic uh, sits, and you will see that stand-up talk dated March 19th. The title is COVID-19 Response and Prevention, and you'll see there on the website it says on the new customer signature capture process, and we discussed that uh, on a previous episode of this podcast. I believe it was episode two, so I encourage you also to go back and listen to that one. Uh, finally, we have a question from B.G., uh, who is at Grunkster38, G-R-U-N-K-S-T-E-R 36, not 38, 36. This question is uh, similar to, to the question from Bill um, Lynch earlier. Can the new 701 rule possibly be used against the carrier concerning data for upcoming route inspections? Uh, the answer to that question is no. Um, we we entered into this agreement just because it was in the best interest of a lot of our members in, in places where you know we've got um, very drastic changes in volume um, from day to day. And as I explained earlier um, when to Bill's question, we, we would have no interest in using that data for any reason. So um, the answer to that question is no, and not, not so much just because the 701 rule was in effect, but more about the fact that this time period in no way can be representative of what a route is that's it's, it's uh, we hope that this is a very short period of time where we experience the things that that we're experiencing but nonetheless this is there's no question this is a period of time that where the data is, is in no way going to be representative of the route so thanks for those great questions okay once again uh, i want to thank you for joining us we appreciate those of you that have taken advantage of this podcast we've gotten uh, we're really encouraged by the growth and the, the number of you that are listening and downloading, and we want to continue to improve it and make it as useful and as we can for you. So, as always, we encourage you to send us our feedback, send us your feedback, excuse me, send us your questions. There's a number of ways you can do that by email. Um, I mentioned the COVID-19 at NELC.org. That's reserved for just questions about the the. Virus and how and the pandemic and how it relates to you and your job, um, but as far as the podcast goes, you can email us at social s o c i a l social at n a l c dot org, and you can also ask us questions on social media. Uh, first, we'd like you to follow us on Twitter. We're at n a l c underscore national. On Instagram, we are at letter carriers. On Facebook, we're at n a l c dot national. We have a YouTube channel that's called The Postal Record. There's lots of good, fun stuff to watch there going back quite a while. And then, of course, the information is also available on our website. But if you choose to uh, use social media to give us your feedback, comments, questions, please use the hashtag Y A T C R P O D. That's you are the current resident pod. So, once again, that's hashtag Y A T C R P O D. Um, One last thing, we we appreciate those of you that are listening through our website, um, those of you that may be listening through all the other podcast apps that are out there. If you currently do want to listen on your smartphone and you do not have an app that uh, includes this podcast, uh, Podbean is the app and the hosting platform that we use. So if if you are listening on your smartphone, I encourage you to go to the App Store um, or the Google Play Store if you have an Android phone. And, and download the Podbeam app. It'll be very easy for you to find the You Are the Current Resident podcast, and uh, that's likely on your mobile device be the easiest way for you to listen to this podcast. So once again, thanks for joining us today, um, and we look forward to talking to you next time. Stay safe, everyone.